I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this time to be together with uh, these saints. And God, thank you um, that, um, that we as a, as a local church, we are uh, knit together, we are united um, in your death and resurrection. And, and um, we're just grateful that uh, because of our union with Christ, the, um, the old is gone, the new has come. We thank you that we uh, have been clothed in Christ's righteous robes. And God, I thank you for all those uh, gospel truths that, um, that enlighten our hearts and remind us of who you are and what you did for uh, us, um, your hopeless and helpless creation. And Lord, I pray that uh, as we dive into this letter that you inspired Paul to write, God, I pray that we would just, uh, we'd, we'd be encouraged, uh, we'd be spurred on that uh, the love of Christ would compel us to want to live our lives um, in joyful submission to you. And God, I also pray that we would um, hold one another loosely, that, um, that we would not be fearful when others get sent out, whether it be to plant a church or to, uh, to um, answer the call to cross-cultural missions. God, we just want to be aligned with what you're doing. So God, we ask this morning, we continue to ask, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in this community? What are you doing in Northern Colorado? What are you doing around the world? And how do you want us to respond as a church? God, where you lead, we will follow. We love you, and we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And God's people said, amen. amen. Good morning. So I'm a little bit... Um, worried. Um, yeah, so there's like a bunch of like uh, FCA people here. Uh, there's a pastor of another church in Windsor here. And then I'm like coming out of the bathroom and some uh, teenage kid looks at me with his hair up here like this. And he goes, good luck. I go, what do you know? I don't know I'm already thinking that. Like, why did you say that? Good luck. 
And so my, um, my prayer is, is that, um, that God would help me stand behind his word and that um, he would do what only he could do, that he would um, enliven your hearts, um, that you would be encouraged, that you would um, leave here with more hope than you came in, and also that you'd be resolved to um, live, out, um, live out the mission that God has called you to. For those of you that are new with this, we've been marching through this letter to the Philippians that Paul wrote. Paul wrote it from prison, and he's writing it to uh, the church that he founded in Philippi. And uh, we're in chapter 2. We're only going to go through verse 19 through 24 today. Next week, we're going to get 25 through 30, where we're going to actually take a look at this uh, Epaphroditus guy. But today, we're going to take a look at the, the life of Paul and Timothy and, and uh, just their, uh, sacrif- their uh, selfless gospel-centeredness. How many of you... I think it's just a few, were around this place in 2006. New Orleans, Coppingers, just a couple of families. Last service, the Paulies were here, and I think there might have been one other family. But in 2000, let me back up a minute. In 2001, this church was established. It was a church plant that was birthed by Mountain View Community Church in Fort Collins. And the only ones that I know that are left from that um, church plant are the Norlands, the Hardys, Knutsons. Hey, Brittany. Welcome back to Colorado. How's the weather in Arizona? Hot. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. But in 2001, uh, Mountain View sacrificed a ton and sent, I don't know, 50, 60 of us to Windsor to start this church. And uh, a man by the name of Willie O'Burke was the lead pastor. Uh, Willie was the the lead planter, the lead pastor. Um, He preached about 90% of the time. If you know Willie, he's just an easy guy to love. He's like a big teddy bear who who divided God's word well and um, loved people well. Well, in 2006, five years after we started this church, um, the Lord burdened Willie and... um, I don't know, and about 30 other people to plant a church in Greeley from this church. And so, um, you know, and, and when I look back on that, I was the, um, I'm the only pastor in this church that, is, um, that was a pastor at that time that's a pastor now. Um, I, I've chased everybody else away. And um, Cubbinger apparently is just a slow learner because he became a pastor afterwards to serve alongside me. I don't know what's wrong with you, man. <laughs> I'm glad you did, though. <laughs> um, but we sent Willie and these, these people to Greeley. And, um, and, and Willie, just being the charismatic guy that he is and the, 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 people that, uh, the guy that everybody loves, um, we did everything wrong in that church plant. And, um, and what I mean by that is, is that we, we celebrated it up front. We thought, we, we knew that God was in it at some level, but we operated in fear. We operated in fear because we knew that we were giving away some of our best people. Um, our, our church administrator, pretty much the entire worship team at the time, and uh, the guy that preached the most that was very gifted in what he did. And we, we controlled it. We, um, we, uh, we would say things like, hey, you know, you really should stay here, not go on this church plant. And I, I don't know. We just, we did everything wrong. Here, here's what I've learned over the years. And my prayer is, is that as we get to, uh, ready to plant other churches, and God willing, we'll plant a church in Greeley in 2019 if he, if he uh, continues to lead that way. It's, it's him that's going to have to lead um, the pastors that way and the people in Greeley that are considering this. But what I've learned is, is that there, there's a principle that is tried and true, and that is where God leads, he what? He provides. 
If he's leading, we don't need to, we don't need to wring our hands. We don't need to um, uh, go, well, you know, how are we going to meet budget if, since the Lord took all these people away? Where he leads, uh, he provides. Some of the things that, um, that we do here at Windsor Community Church um, to prepare us to send people out. Let me, let me back up a sec. This church, Windsor Community Church, my, my prayer is, is that we, if we're known for anything, like when Jesus comes back, we'd be known for our sending capacity, not our seating capacity. That would be, that would be my heart. And our, our desire is we, what the Lord has been doing in this place, I would say over the last four years in particular, he's bringing a lot of you in here that have a heart for missions, that have a heart for church planting. God is doing that. God is doing it. It's always been part of our heart, but really God in his kindness has brought you here. And what we want to do is we want to, um, as the Lord leads, we want to send you out. We want to build you up and send you out. We don't want to be that church that, um, where the Lord brings people to us or uh, better yet even saves people in our midst. We grow them up and then we like keep you here. Like we won't let you go out of fear. Now, if you want to stay, we want you to stay. But we don't want to be fearful when people leave. It doesn't matter um, who they are. Let me ask you this. When you think about sending other people out, people that you're connected with, people whom you value, what emotions come to mind? Some of you can't wait to go on your own. Like you want, you want to go. Uh, we had the, the Currys um, here last service. The Currys are, um, I don't know how old the kids are, I think middle school and grade school maybe. Um, they sold their house. They sold their house and they're moving their family to uh, Dallas, Texas for DTS. And then they're going to follow whatever the, wherever the Lord leads after that. I mean, that's, that's not for me right now and it may not be for you right now, but it, it encourages me when I hear stories like that. When I, when I hear about people talking in Greeley about starting a church in Greeley, that just... It just warms my soul. And I want to get behind that in any way the Lord leads. So today, here's what we're going to, we're going to look at. We're going to look at the heart behind sending and being sent. And we're also going to look at the, the timing behind sending and being sent. And both of, both of these are rooted in gospel-centered selflessness. Gospel-centered selflessness. I'm just going to give you a quick review. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. He's writing from prison in Rome to this uh, dear church in Philippi that he helped find, uh, found. Um, he, uh, he landed in Philippi. There was no church uh, there, no, no Jewish people there. And he uh, came in, and the Lord in his providence saved Lydia and her entire household. God saved the uh, jailer and his entire household. And Paul is writing to his dear friends in Philippi, Encouraging them to press on in the faith. Press on, you're doing a great job, but there are, there are headwinds on the horizon. So keep pressing on. Right out of the gates in this letter, Paul said to the church in Philippi, he wrote to them from prison, he said this, he who began a good work in you, well what? Bring it to completion. I can't think of a warmer promise for the Christian to hang on to than to know that, whatever, that the work of salvation that God started in me, he what? He'll complete it. I can't, I can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. If you are in Christ, if his spirit indwells you, if your heart of stone has been turned to a heart of flesh, he will complete the work. 
And we can rest in that. So in light of this promise, Paul is encouraging them to live their lives, chapter 1, verse 27, to live their lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul put himself out there as a pattern. He said in chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, he says, he says for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul is so resolved that heaven is going to be so much better than this earth, where he's going to be able to be with Jesus 24-7. Well, he'll be in a place where there's no more sin, no more pain, no more sickness. He said, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. He says, what should I choose? He says, I choose to live by God's grace. And he says, the reason I choose to live is for your sake, for, for your joy and progress in the faith. So Paul put himself out there as an example for that, that life is not to be lived selfishly to build our own kingdoms, but if we are to live, it's for the sake of the gospel and the sake of Christ's mission. And then in chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, he encouraged the church towards continued unity. And he gave them the admonition. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then we saw in that beautiful hymn a couple of weeks ago in chapter 2, verses 4 through 11, where, uh, where he put forth Jesus as the ultimate example of this type of selfless humility. You see, Jesus isn't only our Savior, he is our pattern to follow. Then we saw last week that Paul encouraged the church to continue on and obey everything the Lord is asking you to do. And we we learn that our joyful and willful obedience pleases God. It it doesn't gain, it doesn't help us gain any standing in the kingdom. It pleases God and it enhances our witness. That a church that's living in unity with one another, it's a sweet aroma to people that, uh, that God is drawing. And then, I, I love this, my heart was so full this week, just, just marinating on last week's passage. It says that he gave us the great encouragement that he is working in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. What, that, what does that mean? It means like, how do I do it? How do I live this life? It says that, that God's spirit will give you the desire to live it out. And God's spirit will give you the power to live it out. That we don't have to pull ourselves up by our boot, bootstraps. We just need to submit and surrender to the Holy Spirit and abide in Christ. Here we are in verses 19 through 30. Every Wednesday, I sit with the pastors. And they go, hey, Dan, that was good. That was great. You know, I, feel, I felt like it ministered to me. And they go, you know what? Can you just get to the passage quicker next time and, and quit all this garbage up front? So I said, I, can't, I just can't help it. It's just, just who I am. They didn't use garbage, by the way. They're kinder than that. So here we are in verses 19 through 30. Paul gives us flesh and blood examples of the selfless conduct to which he's calling the Philippian church to and to which he's calling us to. Two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, who lived their lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is important, just particularly for next week, but also for this week. Epaphrodites, the guy that's talked about in, in verses 25 through 30, who is Epaphrodites? He, he's a member of the Philippian church. 
And the Philippian church sent him to Paul, to Rome, with a financial gift. They took an offering, and, they, and, they, and, and Epaphroditus took it from the church up to Rome. And presumably, he was going to return right back to the church in Philippi, but he got sick. And his stay was prolonged. We don't know how long extra he had to stay, but you're going to see in the passage next week that he got sick, and he had to stay longer. So next week, we're going to take a closer look at Epaphrodites. And we don't know much about this faithful brother, but we do know, what we do know, we will be encouraged and more informed on short-term missions, especially. So if you have a heart for short-term missions, you don't want to miss next week's sermon. So next week, we're going to take a closer look at this man, Epaphroditus. And by the way, um, my community group on Tuesday night, we meet, you know, the, the only uh, like comments I get from them is like, did you really pronounce it that way? So if I'm not pronouncing Epaphroditus right, uh, you know, don't judge me. Just shoot me an email or text. I think I got it right, though. Um, I love my community group. Right now, it's just important to know that Epaphroditus was a member of the church in Philippi who was sent to, to bring this financial gift to Paul and stayed there longer than he was planning on. So here we are. We don't know how long it's been since Paul has had an update on the spiritual welfare of his friends in Philippi. But we're going to see he's anxious to hear about them. He wants to know how they're doing. Those of you that are going to check, can you relate with that at some level? You just can't wait to sit down with a kolache and a cup of coffee and find out how they're doing. Right? Right, Sarah? You just want to, there's people, you get their faces in your mind, right? That's what, that's what Paul is saying right now is he can't wait to hear how the church in Philippi is doing. So today we're going to get a closer look at, at both Paul and Timothy living gospel-centered, selfless, uh, selfless lives. And this gospel-centered selflessness will help you and I as a church to develop a heart to send out our best in God's timing. Our best in God's, whatever you view the best is, whether that's the biggest givers, whether that is the, um, the, the guy that preaches the most or sings the most or leads children's ministry or oversees a nursery in Wadler, is that we're going to be instructed on gospel-centered selflessness that will pry our hands off of people and trust the Lord in his call on people's lives. And the more that we understand this gospel-centered selflessness, the more impact we will have by God's grace in building his kingdom. Here we are in verse 19 through 22. Read it with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered or encouraged by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not, these of, not those, those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. We've got to ask the question, first of all, who's Timothy? Who's Timothy that, that Paul is wanting to send to the church in Philippi? Remember, Paul can't go. He's in jail. So he's going to send Timothy on his behalf. Paul led Timothy to Christ. We saw that in Paul's first missionary journey in a, in a town or a city called Lystra. And then in Paul's second missionary journey, he recruited Timothy to come with him. And, and Timothy became a lifelong companion of Paul's. Timothy was young. Paul was old. Timothy had a reputation for godliness. He had a good reputation amongst the people in Lystra. Paul would become, or Timothy would become Paul's disciple, Paul's friend, his co-laborer. 
He would minister with Paul in Berea, in Athens, in Corinth. He would accompany him on his trip to Jerusalem, making an argument that, that uh, Timothy was Paul's right-hand man. That, that Paul, I would not have let Timothy go if I was Paul. I would say, I just need you too much. It says Paul loved him like a son in 1 Timothy verse 2, my, my true child in the faith, it says. What we're going to see here is that Paul is sending Timothy for two reasons. Number one, so that Paul can be encouraged by the news, the good news that he knows Timothy's going to bring back. I cannot wait to be encouraged by the news of what God is doing in the Czech Republic. You know, that's actually one of your primary job descriptions in going to the Czech Republic. Is to, it really is, not just for me, by the way, for the church to go and, and listen and hear and, and interview and then come back and go, this is what I've seen. They greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. They're standing in the gospel. They're sharing the gospel. People are growing. People are getting saved. So the first reason Paul sends Timothy so that Paul can be encouraged by the news that they're living in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second reason Timothy is to send Timothy is to serve and encourage the church in Philippi. And I know this firsthand. Check people. You are going to be encouraging them way more than they might be encouraging you. I know it doesn't feel that way, but it is huge that you're going over there. They're, they are so encouraged by you all. This, this first reason, let's, let's, let's unpack this first reason so that Paul can be encouraged by the news that they're living in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned earlier, it's been a while since Paul has had a report from Philippi. Paul is longing to be encouraged with news on how his beloved Philippians are doing. And then he says, God willing, I will send Timothy to you soon. Paul's expecting good news. And here's the ultimate good news, the ultimate encouragement that Paul is hoping for is not news necessarily of a growing budget or an expanded nursery waddler or increased Sunday attendance or the number of ministries. These are all really good things, but this is not what Paul's looking for encouragement in. He's looking for encouragement. That is, are they living out Philippians 1 verse 27? Are they living in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Paul's concerned primarily with their spiritual welfare. And he expects to be encouraged. He knows the Philippians. He expects to be encouraged by the news of what God is doing in and through the church in Philippi. The second reason? I mentioned it. He wants to encourage them to continue in the faith. Paul seems to think that the church in Philippi could use some encouragement. And he, he says, Timothy is genuinely concerned for your welfare. And my guess is that they care a lot for the physical welfare, Paul and Timothy, of the church in Philippi, but they really care for their spiritual welfare. That's, that's primary. That's primary. In Paul writing that he hopes to send Timothy to them soon, he's literally saying, for you. He's not just saying, I hope to send Timothy to you, but he's saying, I hope to send Timothy for you. It literally is saying, for you. Timothy is not just going to the Philippians, but going for them, for their edification. And on our mission trips, that's, that's the mindset we should have. We go sometimes like, what do I have to offer? But you're going for them. You're going to them, but you're going for them. 
I want to show just a video that I showed a couple of weeks ago that is just a, a great example of this, where, where you all sent me to Nigeria. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm not to this church what Timothy is to Paul. But, I want, but, but what happened, though, is that, that I brought them through, by, by your graciousness, great encouragement. And I was able to bring back to you encouragement to what the Lord is doing down there in and through you all in Nigeria. So listen to this video. Community Church, Colorado. I feel joy and happiness to say thank you so much. We actually great grateful to you for your prayers, your support to enable us to do what we are doing today. We are reaching the prison and the prisoners know the Lord Jesus Christ. We are reaching hospital, cooking, sharing love through, taking food, visiting and sharing the gospel. Many come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maimuna go to the uh, children and we visit some different places to reach out to the Muslim. Thank you so much, Windsor Community Church. We are say are grateful. Thank you so much for your support, your prayers and encouragement. Thank you for allowing the senior pastor, Pastor Dan, to visit us. This is another great encouragement. You encourage us all the time. We are grateful. Thank you so much. Hello, Windsor Community Church. Thank you. My name is Maimuna. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your financial support. Thank you for allowing Pastor Dan to come and visit us. We are happy. Thank you very much. Greet all the church members and, their, and your children. May God bless you. Amen. Masa! <laughs> That's just a New Testament moment. That um, it's a New Testament moment. I mean, they, does that bring you encouragement? That that you you may not recognize it, but you, as a part of this church, are a massive part of their ministry. We send them two hundred bucks a month. We're going to talk as a Matt to bump it up to three hundred bucks a month. Covers all their expenses. It covers their expenses where this guy can go out and make disciples and this gal make disciples who make disciples. So I hope that brings you encouragement. We've got to ask the question, why Timothy? If Timothy is so important to Paul, why send Timothy? He says in verse 20, he says, I've got no one like him. And what he, what he means by that is that, that it's like-minded or kindred spirit or equal in soul. I've got nobody like myself. It's the same word that is used in chapter 2, verse 6, for equality with God, where, where it says that Jesus did not um, consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he was fully God before he came down to earth, and he was fully God on earth, and he's fully God after he ascended. And what Paul is saying here of Timothy is that this, this guy is a replication of me. Like, I've, he spent so much time with me. When you get Timothy, you're really getting me. He's not God, but he's, he's Paul's many, many me. Timothy's so like-minded with Paul that it would be like Paul himself going. 1 Corinthians 4.17 says something similar. It says, says this, That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in the church. Paul knew that, that the church in Philippi would get the same encouragement and message as if he was there himself. But this also brings greater weight. Why would Paul send Timothy? 
I, I don't know if I have that, that kind of open-handedness, honestly. I want it. And I trust the Lord will give it to me. But I want to have that open-handedness that when the Lord calls somebody from this church to go, that I love, that I need, that I want here, that I would have the humility and the grace and the strength to let those people go. Paul isn't just sending anyone. He's sending what would be his greatest loss. His greatest loss. His greatest friend. Why Timothy? Number two. Timothy, verse 20, was genuinely concerned for their welfare. Timothy cares for the interests of others. He cares for their welfare. I send Timothy because he has my heart for you. He cares for you as I care for you. Most everybody else cares for themselves more than they care for you. They're seeking their own welfare above your welfare. The mind that was in Christ is not in them, but it's in Timothy. And this ties back into uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, which I can't find the verse right now, but it just says to consider other people's interests as more important than yourselves. Number three. Why Timothy, number three. More than that, Timothy has the interest of Jesus in mind. This seems to indicate that Paul isn't just saying that Timothy has your interests ahead of his own, but that he actually has Jesus' interests ahead of your own. You see, the, the end isn't just to have a church that is unified, that gets along with one another for the sake of unity, but it's for the sake of mission. It's for the sake of pleasing God. It's for the, the sake of mission. Uh, Pat and Jolene didn't correct me after the first service, so I'm going to go ahead and say it again. I didn't ask for permission the first time. Um, but there's a, a ministry called Call to Obedience, CTO. Many of you are familiar with it. And it's a disciple-making curriculum, if you will. It's Bible-based. It's awesome. I've seen it transform uh, many marriages over the years, including my wife and my marriage uh, back in the 90s, actually. And uh, Pat and Jolene, this is the ministry they brought to this church. Um, and they, um, they meet with, gosh, anywhere from four, five, six, as many as seven people at a time, couples at a time. And they have a, um, they have a desire for people to walk in joyful obedience with the Lord in their marriage, in their relationships. They have a desire to see people be reconciled in all their key relationships. But if you were to ask both of them, is this an end? Is, is health and unity in marriage and in the church the end? And they would say, absolutely not. They said, if, the, we're, if we're left on this earth just to um, make uh, healthy, happy marriages in a healthy, happy church where nobody is living their lives on mission, we want no part of that. Am I representing you correctly? Can I hear an Amen. So in verse 21, Timothy isn't just um, putting the interests of the people ahead of himself. He's putting the interests of Jesus ahead of himself. 
Paul's been encouraging the church towards unity, one-mindedness, and obedience to please God and to be an attractive witness to the crooked and twisted world. Paul's end, like the Braddy's end and like my end, isn't simply a healthy church whose end is united and serving one another. Paul's end, or Paul's interests, if you will, are also Jesus' interests, that the gospel would go forth and that people would be saved. May that be true of Windsor Community Church. Why Timothy number four? It says in verse 22, he has proven character, particularly as it pertains to gospel ministry. You see, back in Philippi, when, when, uh, when Paul came in and started the church, Timothy was with Paul. They saw Timothy serve alongside Paul. They knew his proven character. But as with almost everything else in this letter, Paul's interest in Timothy's proven character is not with his character in general, but as that has been demonstrated in the way that he has served me in the cause of the gospel. Paul knows that, he's, that Timothy's not just going to go down there and go, hey, good job, you know, marriages are staying together. Hey, good job, you know, you guys are all um, in community group together. That's all awesome. I want, we want to celebrate that. We'll celebrate that until Jesus comes home. But what he's ultimately celebrating, what proves his character, is that he served with Paul in the cause of the gospel. And he was willing to die for it. The key words in verse 22 are, um, where are they? Just lost them. That, that he served Paul in the gospel. In the same way Jesus served the Father. Now this is a very interesting statement. For he is sending Timothy because Timothy shares his heart and his burden. And Paul says, I don't want, I don't have anyone else who really has the same heart as me in the work of the gospel. Think about Jesus for a minute. Think about the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God so loved the world that we are willing to give away our best. Give me grace on our best. Because at some level, you're all our, our best. You're all God's best. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that any who believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, where you can just feel Paul's heart coming through, and he sees this in Timothy, and the Philippians see this in Timothy as well. Paul says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being under the law myself, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings, happiness. That we, when we are living our lives on mission for the sake of the gospel, it brings blessing. Timing is everything. Look at verses 23 through 24.
Paul started this section of the letter, verse 19, by expressing his desire to send Timothy to his beloved brother. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. He now tells them in whom he is trusting for the timing and when soon will be. Verse 23 and 24, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. What Paul is saying here is that I'm in jail. I want to come to you. I can't wait to hear about you, but I'm going to send Timothy. When? Soon. When is soon? As soon as I know my fate. Either when they chop my head off or when they release me. And then Timothy will come to you. He defines soon not as a time, but as an event. Hope here. Paul says, um, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Verse 23, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with you. Hope here is better translated as I trust. Paul is saying in essence, Lord willing, or if the Lord permits, or according to Lord's plan. My desire is to send Timothy, and I trust the Lord with this desire. In James chapter 4, 4 uh, 13 through 16, he insists this in verse 13. Now come, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, your boast, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. And with a different language, Paul is modeling this here. His plans are in the Lord, in God's hands, up to God, subject to the Lord. Proverbs 69 teaches us the same thing. The heart of man, what? Plans his ways. But the Lord directs his steps. It's good to make plans. It's good to make plans to plant a church in Greeley. It's good to make plans to send the black family back to Nigeria. It's good to make plans to send the Curry family to um, Youth with the Mission DTS here in two weeks. It's good to send the Czech team out to the Czech Republic. This is all good. But the timing is the Lord's. The timing is the Lord's. We need to make plans, but let the Lord continue to establish our steps. Let me give you two closing principles. There's, a, there's two things, two main things I think that we can learn from this passage. And both of them are founded on gospel-centered selflessness. The heart for sending and being sent is rooted in gospel-centered selflessness. We need to send even those that seem irreplaceable. We need to send those whose service seems irreplaceable, whether that be our best preachers, our best leaders, our best singers, our best um, givers, whatever it is, where the Lord leads, we need to hold people in one another like this. I've seen it happen over and over again. I've tried to stand in the way and plead with people not to go because I need them too much. All I need is Jesus. All you need is Jesus. This is his church. It's not my church. It's not your church. We are the church, but this, it is his church. The whole incarnation and death of Jesus is a glorious act of of divine selflessness to rescue me from the consequences of my my own selfishness and and to enable me to live selflessly for the glory of of another. This is gospel-centered selflessness. 
Here we've, we say our mission is to lead people into a, what, growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Then we say our passion is that all would know Jesus, that they would grow in the relationship with Jesus, and they would go tell others. You know, if, we, if we're just helping people know Jesus better and growing them in the faith without encouraging them to go, we're not fulfilling our mission. You see, the church is to equip these saints for the work of ministry. We're to grow them up. We call people to know Jesus. We help them grow in their relationship with God, but we are also going to send them out. This is good leadership. We have a, our Pastors Leadership Institute. Some of you have heard of it. Um, any graduates in here? Josh is back there. You're not a graduate yet, though. I, I, I know your final grade. You don't. No, just kidding. No, the, these, these, guys, these guys took their final on, on a Thursday. And this is our second class. I have, we have four guys in the Pastors Leadership Institute. Um, it's, uh, it's Josh, it's Dan, it's Bevan, and it's Stephen. And um, the reason that we have this is to, um, is to raise men up that have a desire to um, lead in the church, either this church or another church. But our desire actually is to, is, um, we got four pastors right now. It's me and Pat and Chris and John, four of us. We're, God willing, we're bringing on two more pastors here in the next two months. Jake Pence, Jason Shelton. There's six of us. There's no room to spread our wings. At some point, somebody's going to have to go. And somebody handed me an orange vest and put me in the parking lot after the last service. I don't know what that's saying. But we, but, and we're raising up four more guys. But that's, that's what we want to do here is we want, to, we want to build into people for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of living on mission. If you're not called to leave, nobody's going to make you leave. But we're going to, we're going to keep making you uncomfortable. And having you ask the question, God, is it me? It is? Is it now? Really? but had the courage to keep asking that question. In Greeley, there's a plan on paper that's in pencil. That's just disappearing because the, the plan keeps changing. To plant a church in 2019. Only God knows if that timing's right. Only God knows if the right people are in place. Some of our best... No, nah, I'm not going to say it that way. Um... Some of the most fertile young people are in Greeley. <laughs> wow. My wife hates it when I go away from my notes. But I would, you know, if that church happens and the people that I think are going on that plant go on that plant, I'm going to be a blubbering, crying baby for weeks. So I love those families. But I love Jesus more. And I love the mission more. And anything I can do and the pastors can do to build them up and send them out as the Lord leads, we want to we be a part of that. And I don't know if I'm being redundant or not. Did I talk about the 17% yet? We set 17% aside for missions right off the top. We've done that since 2001, day one. Uh, there's been times where uh, we tried to uh, dip into the 17% because we were short on budget. And I, for one, and some of the other pastors for two said, not a chance. You cut my salary. Before you, before you ever touch that missions fund. It's off the top. It's right off the top. Because if we're not, if we're not putting our money where our mouth is, we're never going to plant churches. We're never going to have money to send people to Czech Republic and Nigeria. 
We can talk about it until Jesus comes home, but unless we're making um, sacrifices that are financial and sacrifices of raising up yahoos like Josh Trigstad in PLI, and that's a sacrifice. Um, I caught you talking to your wife, didn't I? But we, we, we want to we do more of that. So here it is, the first principle. The first principle is that, that we need to have a, a heart for sending and being sent that is based on gospel-centered selflessness. The second principle, the final principle is, is that we need to, that the timing for the sending or being sent is also rooted in gospel-centered selflessness. We're not going to kick any doors down. We're not, I'm done kicking doors down for Jesus. Cup of your nose, I've tried to do that in the past. I'm done with that. Um, but at the same time, um, if the door's shut, I'm going to press on it. We're all going to press on it. If Jesus, if, if it opens, if, if God opens it, we're going to walk through it. We're all going to walk through it. And we're going to send our best people out as the Lord leads, as the Lord leads. So the timing for sending and for being sent is in God's hands. And I'm going to finish with this video. And then uh, we'll invite the worship team up and, uh, and I'll pray. Hmm. Pretty awesome. God is doing a major work, and we just get to be a small part of what God's doing. That you're big, you're part of a bigger family. Uh, obviously, Christ's family over the world, but this little family, family is called Crossway. Um, God is really using for His glory. And I wouldn't just ask God, "Where are you leading us next?" But where is God leading you next? Where is God leading you? Maybe simply to the neighbor next door, and profoundly to the neighbor next door. A coworker. Some of you get ready to go to the Czech Republic, Nigeria. Maybe it's a church plant in Greeley. On Father's Day, we have a man by the name of Daniel Nelms that's going to be preaching with us, and he's just planting a church in Brick, New Jersey. That he's going to, he is a great grandchild of ours. You planted Greeley. Greeley planted New Jersey. Redeemer and Redeemer's planting Brick, and uh, this pastor Daniel Nelms of a church that you helped birth. He's going to be preaching to us on uh, Father's Day week on the 17th. So I just I pray that that be a blessing for all of us. Would you pray with me? Worship team, come on up. Father, thank you for um, your word. God, thank you for your work. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you, God, that you're at work um, all around us. And we don't need to wring our hands. We don't need to worry. You tell us in James that wisdom from above is first peaceable and is reasonable. God, it's um, so easy to get uptight and wonder what's next or to get uptight and go, oh, Lord, no, not that. But God, we just, uh, we just want to follow you. Uh, we know that your yoke is easy. And Lord, while I'm here, I just want to uh, pray for a couple people that are with us. Just, I want to pray for uh, Bo and Shannon Matsett, um, my Dear friend, a pastor at Ellerslie, God, I just pray for your kindness in their ministry. I pray, Lord, that they would be um, uh, agent, agents in your hand to, um, to um, just encourage the church there to, um, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love their neighbor as himself. And God, for our friends from FCA here today, Lord, I don't know who's on staff and who's uh, here serving, but I just am grateful for the Andersons ministry and um, those that are with them here today. And I just pray, God, that they would um, continue to uh, run the race well. 
keeping their eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of their faith. And God, I pray that uh, you are the fruit bearer. And I pray, God, that as they abide in you and as they um, boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus, Jesus Christ, I pray that you would, you would bear uh, the fruit of salvation in others' lives uh, for your glory. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.